The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. Hey there, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where conscious people come together to explore the world of healing and heal the planet one person at a time. But hey, is your world on fire right now? Well, here's some advice for you. Be brave, be kind, and fight fires. This is the motto of firefighters like our guest today, Hirsch Wilson, who spend their lives walking towards rather than away from suffering and danger. And I'm super happy to talk to him about his beautiful book called Firefighter Zen. And uh, he's been a volunteer. He and his wife, Lori, have been a volunteer firefighter in Santa Fe, New Mexico, since 1986. And he's going to share with us today his Zen-like techniques that allow people like him to stay grounded while navigating danger, comforting each other, comforting other people, and coping with their personal responses to each crisis. This sounds like something we all use right about now. So welcome to the show, Hirsch. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about the story of how you became a volunteer firefighter. Sure. So um, my wife and I, we both grew up as dancers. We were both ballet dancers hmm. uh, until our early 30s when knees gave out and we had to move on. So we both went into kind of corporate work and we moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico from Minneapolis. Wow. Um, Lori got a job immediately at a conference center outside of Santa Fe. And one day, um, a guest fell and broke her ankle. And at that time, there was no medical help around. No one knew any first aid. Um, and uh, so they called the ambulance. They took her in. But Lori, being a kind of Minnesota Norwegian stock, was furious that she did not know what to do. So she signed up for a six-month-long emergency medical technician class. And at the end of that class, the instructor, who was a firefighter, said, you know, Lori, if you want to keep your skills up, why don't you join a volunteer fire department? Well, unfortunately, uh, at the time, I thought what Lori heard was, why don't we join a volunteer fire department? So she came home and said, we're, we're going to join a volunteer fire department. And I thought that was crazy because I, I could not see myself uh, breaking a door down with an, ask, an axe. And uh, every, like all the men in my family, I had this thing about blood and gore. So I was very resistant, but she dragged me to our first meeting 
And there are a bunch of people sitting around at a table in the in what we call the bay of the station. They'd pulled all the trucks out. And this was their medical team. And they were passing around a picture of a unfortunate accident they'd had the week before uh, and talking about uh, the what caused the accident. Uh, and Lori got the picture and she looked at it. She was just fascinated. And then she passed it on to me and it was a picture of a dead guy in a car. And I passed out. Mm, I would have too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. So Lori turned to me. She whispered, maybe you could just learn how to drive the trucks. <laughs> and so that was our beginning, which was inauspicious. But she was an enthusiastic member right away. It took me a couple of months to say, yes, this is important. Uh, I want to do this. I can do this. And it was then like the tumblers in the universe fell into place saying, this is how I'm going to give back. And so that's how it started. That's very cool. <clears throat> that's a great story. And you talk, you talk in your book about what you call the firefighter universe, which sure. is this like way of seeing the world. I think that's different from how most of us see it, which is we are all sort of going along our business thinking that, you know, we're safe, that, you know, life is predictable and things are going to carry on from one day to the next, much as they always have. And when you have a job like what you do, um, the, the reality of that gets peeled away into something that's not like that at all. Right. Right. Exactly. So I think of it uh, in a couple of ways. And I think um, we all had this wake up call in March when the pandemic hit, but from a, a first responder point of view, there are a couple things that are obvious to us. First off, life is short, right? Um, we deal so much with, with suffering and death that you understand right away that life is short. No matter where you are in your lifeline, you don't have much time. And I think Buddha said, our greatest mistake is to believe we have time. Right. Um, secondly, is this thing we call the glitch, is that you can have plans, you can know what you want to be when you're 40 or 50 or 60 and what you want to be doing, but there's this thing called the glitch, which at any moment in time, uh, your lifeline uh, can take a sharp turn. You can get hit by a car. You can get that cancer diagnosis. A child comes home having given up and needs to live with you. All kinds of things can interrupt your life plan. We call that the glitch. Right. Um, and so, the, so that's kind of what, what firefighters see every day. So it, it changes how you see things. It changes how you see life. I think you're, you're, um, you're much, you know, we, we talk about, there's an old saw about how being a firefighter or a first responder toughens your skin. But I, I think of it oppositely. I think being a firefighter kind of peels away the onion and, you, and you're able, you're more sensitive, you're more understanding of suffering, you're more understanding of the fact that we don't have that much time. And, and the example I give is coming home from bad calls in the middle of the night. I'd often um, sneak into my daughter's bedrooms and just sit down on the floor and listen to them breathe while they're sleeping and be so grateful that they're alive and I'm okay, my wife is okay, and we're all there together. And I think being a first responder really gives you that extra sensibility about how precious things are. Right. You, you just can't have the illusion, you know, um, that you lose your illusion that everything's going to go without change. Exactly. I mean, yeah. obviously, uh, the, the truth is that change is something that's always happening and always will happen. And stability, um, James Baldwin talks about how, you know, culture tries to teach us that everything's the same and stable, 
But the artist's job is to teach us that there's nothing stable under heaven. Right. And I think that's the, the real truth of the matter. Artists and spiritual warriors, too. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And it seems to me like I like when I was well, I really got the sense, too, when you were talking about this in your book, that it's 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 not just change. It's the idea that we're we have any control over, right. you know, right. what's going on. Like we have this illusion that we're we are in control of our lives. And I think you spend a little bit of time as a firefighter and you realize well, maybe we, maybe we do, and maybe we don't. Yeah, I, I think, I think, um, and it's a, it's a bit of stoic wisdom that we're not in control of things that happen to us. We're not. Right. Uh, and I, I think March fifteenth, um, or whenever the NBA stopped playing basketball that night, was a great example. Uh, we all had plans for the. We had calendars. Remember calendars? Yeah, I do. <laughs> And that day we threw them all away. Tickets. I had plane tickets. I had plane tickets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> right. And so, okay, well, that's it. And I thought that was a great metaphor for how life really is. Uh, yeah. This was a, a, a lesson as a culture and a world, really. But as individuals, this happens all the time. That uh, stuff is interrupted. Stuff is interrupted. And, and you, you just don't know what's going to happen next. Absolutely. It's sort of like that. Um it's like an innocence that we have until we lose that innocence. But when we do, your point is there's an opportunity to really live mindfully, to exactly. live like deeply in the moment. And that's the Zen part. Exactly. I think um, I often get asked the question, how, what do you mean by firefighter Zen? What, what does, what does that even mean? And I think about it this way. So being a, a Zen practice or being a firefighter, are just two different roads to the same couple of conclusions uh, that life is suffering, life is hard, um, and and to believe otherwise is an illusion. Um, we do not we do not get ultimately we don't get joy through material things. Right. Uh, um, joy comes from something else, and that our highest calling is uh, in service to others, is to be taken care of others. So firefighting firefighting teaches that just like Zen does. Yeah, it's great. You know what, I, um, I've i been working as a healer for over 30 years, and I have the same kind of experience in dealing with the clients that I see, which is all day long trauma and difficulty. I would say yep. nobody comes to my office because they're having a good day. Like it's right. all, like it's a, it's a, I want you know, that job. I want that <laughs> yeah, job. No, it doesn't happen to me either. <laughs> but um, interestingly, when I was really young, I was in seminary. I went to seminary because mm -hmm. I wanted to be a chaplain and I wanted to be a chaplain for, 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 for fire, for fire, the fire departments. Yeah. Um, so I could support um, people, you know, the firefighters, first responders, and never, I never did um, finish it, but I, I really think about it often. And, and I, I brought it up because I loved what you said about service, you know, and I, I really think that's why people do that job. They're, they're sort of heroic. I think firefighters, you know, and we, you know, we have a soft spot for, for them. I think it's in a culture, in our cultural mindset, we think about nine 11, we can't help mm -hmm. but think about the firefighters, mm -hmm. you know, and in the whole here in Boston, certainly there's been quite a lot of, you know, the, in the marathon right. bombings that happened here. And that's sort of where the coin started. People started talking about running towards, right. right. Running towards the problems. And, and so, you know, so what's so beautiful in your book is about is how you talk about this as a form of service and that that in fact is a way to kind of get out of the, cultural angst we have when we don't know what our purpose is. Our purpose is always to serve in some way. Exactly. I, I think um, we get very trapped in it's about me. 
mm-hmm. right? And our culture reinforces that message. Yep. It's about me, me, me. It's about looking a certain way. It is about material wealth. Uh, it's about status, right? And I think that is a short end game, a short term game, and it doesn't end doesn't end well. Um, the the way we find true fulfillment and joy in our lives is by serving others. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, but part of our life, part of our work needs to be towards helping others and alleviating suffering. Uh, right. we, need, we need to find that in our lives in order to be fulfilled. And I, I think you have to realize that you have to kind of step through the illusions of our society and really understand at a deep level. And, and this is not new. I mean, uh, people ask me, what's original in your book? And I say nothing, <laughs> right? Because this has been taught for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ, one of the greatest teachers taught, you know, he didn't, he didn't sit in an expensive church and preach. Well, he went out he and washed on the street, he was on on the street, street. Watching the, washing the feet of lepers. I mean, that's, that's the message. It's been here forever. And I think it is as relevant today as it was then. So let's talk a little bit about today. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a little extra poignancy in the fact that your book came out right during this extraordinary time that we're living in, in the pandemic. What, mm-hmm. what, what is extra applicable <laughs> to what you're writing about right now? How can we use firefighters and in the middle of what we're going through? Sure. A couple of things. Um, I think firefighters have a perspective that is unique and, and the perspective is like this. Um, we see so many people going through incredibly difficult times. Basically, we go to people's worst moments in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so when you see that, when you understand that, um, it's it's easier to take this moment and say, okay, I'm alive, right? Uh, I have a roof over my head. Um, everything is going to be okay, right? Um, that a lot of what we're going through right now for the vast majority of us, and and, and believe me, I have my, my daughter's a doctor, and, uh, and she is just going through incredible pain right now, dealing with what she deals with. But wow. for, for a lot of us, what we're going through are really not traumas and tragedies. It's an inconvenience. And mm-hmm. it's a temporary inconvenience. We will get through this. Uh, 90%, over 90% of the calls, 911 calls we go on, are not true emergencies. They're inconveniences. To right. so the person who calls 911, it might be a, an, an emergency. But to us... It's, it's, it's not, it's just an inconvenience. Unless there's a death, a house burning down, or somebody in pain or suffering, we don't see that uh, in, uh, as an emergency, we see it as an inconvenience. Well, so yeah. holding on to that perspective is important. I think secondly, uh, realizing that right now there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I talk to people about visualizing what July 4th, 2021 could be. And, and that might be a great time to celebrate, right, that we're out of it. And to not get so bogged down right now in the day-to-day hardness, but to have, have kind of a vision of what it could be in the future that pulls you forward. Uh, I think that's the other thing. Um, so, so perspective. And then I think you need to have the mental discipline. And we talk about this. I talk about this a lot in the book, having mental discipline. Yeah. Um, our thoughts are out of control now. Yeah. And it's, it can be, you know, it's that voice in your head, that narr- narrator in your head that is irrational, uncontrolled, and just catastrophizes. And we need to have the discipline to kind of listen to that voice, realize what's irrational, what doesn't make sense, 
and kind of really deal with facts, deal with the truth, deal with the facts of the situation. Uh, on a fire scene, the, my analogy is when you pull up on a bad fire or a bad car crash, there are always people yelling and screaming and it's chaos and you don't know what's going on. And firefighters are taught to stand still, see the big picture, don't run to the first voice that's screaming for help, but be able to understand the whole picture of what's going on. And I think that's a really important point for us now to be able to do that. Super important. And like you said, it's such a primary part of most spiritual practice, you know, like long term, like the Kabbalah or Buddhism or some of these spiritual practices have been around forever yep. are always teaching us to calm our thinking, calm our feeling to, to not to have thoughts and feelings, but to not overly identify with our thoughts and feelings, just allow them to pass through us. Yeah. And I, I loved how you um, talked about the hula hoop. Oh um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's hear about that a little bit. So the hula hoop, uh, when you go through an incident command school, when you're trained to, to, command a big incident like a fire or a bad crash or a wildfire. Um, what they do in a simulation is they put a hula hoop on the ground. And your job is to stay inside that hula hoop no matter what's happening, right? Um, and the reason you do that is you have to stop. You have to look around. You have to see the big picture. Um, and the, the story I tell is how often we've gone to a car crash and we'll run to the, the car uh, where people are screaming and we missed the tire tracks that go off into the woods of the, of another car that was involved because right. we didn't take the time to stop, see the big picture, calm down because we are absolutely no good if we're excited and we're adrenalized and we're, we have tunnel vision, then we're, right. we're all we are is a bystander. So we're, we're trained really to take the time to think and see the big picture. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, I, I think it's interesting, too, that you talk about mental toughness as um, something that I love that you brought up the Stoics because they fit right into that conversation. But, right. um, you know, th that we're and I think it's a generational thing, too, like our, my our generation, we were. Um, I always, you know, say raised by wolves. Like we were kind of like, oh, yeah. I know, <laughs> like a, exactly. you know, like my parent, <laughs> right. parenting wasn't like a noun. It wasn't something you do. It's just like, right. if you're alive at the end of the day, it's like you're, if your kids are alive at the end of the day. You're, you're a good exactly. parent, you know, exactly. yeah. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's what it is. And I, and I think there's some kind of generational um, shift that's happening now where, and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not really one to judge about it, but I just noticed that there are, that people some people have sort of a mental toughness and a resiliency and some people don't. And that you, you talk a lot about how the training that you have had as a firefighter has uh, cultivated this mental toughness and that you see that as something that maybe would, would really be a benefit for us right now. Right. Uh, and I talk about if I was, if, if I was the, um, like the guru of education and had total control, the two things I would, uh, I would insist upon is first that everybody work in retail mm. um, because working in retail will toughen you up. How about it? They give you a thick skin for sure. <laughs> thick skin for sure, right? <laughs> yeah. And second, uh, to do something like Outward Bound where mm. you're out in the unpredictability of the wilderness where the consequences are, are the consequences of the forest. Yeah. Um, and I think That's those really... two things are, would be hugely important in developing toughness and in developing character, um, mm -hmm. which... We just overlook in our educational system. Um, and, and, the, and the truth is that 
being tough. I mean, athletics does a great job, I think, if it's done right, to really teach toughness uh, in, in right. sports. And I'm a soccer coach. That's my other trade. So watching kids develop from kind of ninth graders who don't really understand what pain means to a senior who really understands that uh, pain is not going to kill you and you can push through things. It's, it's a remarkable journey to watch. Right. And there's a difference between what you're saying, like mental toughness. I mean, we definitely came from the like rub a little dirt in it and walk it off, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> of like, yeah, of like yeah, that's, that's right. what, what I, yeah. what I heard as a kid. Right. Right. Um, and, and, the, and it's not the same, that kind of toughness you're talking about. It's not the same of lack about of lack of empathy. It's not that kind of oh, toughness where, yeah, it's almost like um, resilience is more maybe the way yeah. to describe it. I think, I think they're not opposites. Uh, yeah. It's not and or, or uh, either or. Um, right. There are times you need to be tough. There are times you need, you know, as a firefighter, you need to suck it up, uh, fight the fire, do CPR, drag somebody out of a wreck car. But then at the same time, then when that's over, you need to be compassionate. You need to right. be empathic. You need to walk up to the homeowner and tell them, not only is it going to be all right, but here, here's some, some people that can help you getting through this next couple of weeks. You need both. And I, I think we, we under, we're under the illusion that you can, it's only one or the other. But the, the fact is you have to have both. Oh, that's, I love that you said that. And, and what about grief? You know, I'm sure that's something that you have to you feel yourself maybe you have to deal a lot with people who are who are grieving how, how do we how do you do it and how do we do it during this time um a quick story so uh, we had a bad car accident there were minors involved and there were fatalities and the next day we had um, a debriefing as we often do and one of the old paramedics stood up and said you know the next few months are going to suck and what he meant by that were two things it's hard it's difficult. It's incredibly painful. There are going to be nights of no sleep. There are going to be nightmares. You're not going to finish sentences. Uh, all that's going to go on. But the other part of it was, it's only going to be, you know, he was talking about us, but it's only going to be a couple months. And, and the idea is, whether it's a couple months or a couple years, uh, we're, we're designed to heal, right? We don't go back to being the way we were, uh, but we will heal. We'll incorporate it, but we will heal. Uh, and so the, the lessons to me are, having gone through this a number of times is, is I can kind of predict what I'm going to, what I'm going to experience. And I know it's going to be hard and knowing I'm not going to sleep. Um, I'll be in a lot of pain, but if you, I hang in there, I know it'll get better in, in time. Yeah. Go ahead. There's like a natural process of grief, right? If we, yeah. if we're, mindful and compassionate and self-aware it sort of filters through our system in a right. natural way and over time right. then it's gone and i think yeah. part of it is to be able to step back and say ah i'm grieving now mm -hmm. this is a natural place to be as human beings i'm not mm -hmm. the only one who's been through this mm. i can i can learn a lot from others right and and what whatever your process is it's okay right Everybody has their own process. Everybody has their own path through the forest. And right. that's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to emulate uh, someone else. Mm -hmm. And do you have your own practice of like taking care of yourself, like of, you know, of your self-care to help you? 
Absolutely. And I was, I was going to hope we would talk about that because I think right now and for the foreseeable future, it's really important to have some sort of structured practice uh, for yourself, take care of yourself, just to, just to kind of keep your mind under control. So right. I, I do two things now. I mean, uh, I have this walk in the morning with my dogs, which mm. is a sacred time. I mean, sure. it is the most important time. It helps me kind of uh, reconfigure my day, uh, calm myself down. Real, I, I live in Santa Fe, which is extraordinarily beautiful to walk in. Mm. Um, so that's, that's really important. I think um, I'll take time out just to be mindful every day, um, to kind of keep my perspective, take 10 minutes, whether to meditate or to do yoga, um, whatever it takes, just to kind of ground me to what's really going on. And keep me sane. But I think right now the the discipline is to find a practice that works. Again, it can be what works for you to keep you calm, to keep you relaxed, and to make you, you and help you be positive. I'm with you with the dog walking. I do the same thing, but uh, on the beach. Yeah, awesome, so. <laughs> awesome, yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah. All right, so Hirsch, let's talk about how people can find your work. Um, I know that you have a website that people can. I think we can get a shot of that up on the screen here where people can find your work and find out more about you. Yep. Uh, HirschWilson.com. Mm -hmm. I love be, be brave, be kind, fight fires. Right. That's great. Right. It's a really great tagline. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And your book is available, I assume, on all of the, uh, the, the normal book outlets yes. Um, yes. and Amazon. Am yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course, I would say really it's important to support your local bookstores right now. Yeah. Um, this is a tough, tough time to be in retail. So oh please uh, use your local bookstores. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing your firefighters and uh, with us today. It was a pleasure to read your book and so comforting. I felt uh, really like calmed and the stories were fascinating. And um, and I, I didn't know that there that there was um, so much of our of our firefighter, we're, we're volunteers. Mm -hmm. It's like such a high percentage. Yep. That was something I didn't know. So thank you for yeah. your service. Well, thank you. To, to our, our country and our world by doing that. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks. Me too. And thank all of you guys for being here with us today. You can find me um, at lisacampion.com if you want to drop by, say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us and watching us, listening to us and joining us uh, today on the Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Empower Radio. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.